Ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means it's episode 212 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am one of your hosts. My name is Eric Walkwist, So joining me this week, as he does each and every week, is the other host of the show. His name is... Jesse Go Buccaneers Wilson. God, man. Yeah. Oh my god, why did I start Bobby Rainey tonight? <laughs> oh god, why? I, I, I sat... You're going to hate me for this. You're going to hate me. I sat Marsh, Marshawn Lynch. Mm. I sat Marshawn Lynch for Bobby Rainey. That's why you always start your studs. I got too cute. I got too cute. And this is what happens. What's he at? Like minus 10 at this point? He had point three. Oh, okay. 0.03. And he saw he fumbled again. Are you fucking joking? Not at all. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Oh. Anyway, we're talking about Thursday Night Football, for those who are yeah. wondering. <laughs> if you have no context for this, it sounds really weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus. Oh, man. Ah, so I, I started this fantasy football league at work, and it's kind of a way to get, like, we have a very wide, very diverse group of people in age and experience and, like, we're very, very diverse, and so I, I was like, well, this will be a good way to get everybody to kind of together and, you know, give us all something to chat about, and so started a fantasy football league. It's been going pretty well, but everybody looks at me now like I'm some fantasy guru, and, I, and then I make bonehead plays like this. <laughs> I feel the pressure. Uh, this is Eric's lock of the week. <laughs> Sit down, Lynch, and pick up Rainy. It's going to get rainy in Georgia. It's going to get rainy, even though it's indoors, 100% chance of rainy. <laughs> the rain's going to dry up in Washington and come uh, down hard in Georgia. I can't believe it. What a jerk Bobby Rainey is. Well, that's the last time that happens. He's going to Dumpsville. Drop him. Drop Amazing. him. Amazingly, no one at my work plays fantasy football. That's weird. I yeah, that's not strange. a single soul. Huh. Well, uh, I thought that you had really huge sports fans there. Yeah, but not not fantasy fans. Mm. Not fan to seize. Yeah. Anyway, Jesse, uh, how was your week, friend? Good. It's yeah. weird. I've either seen you in person or talked to you on Google Hangouts for yeah. like five of the last seven days. I completely forgot that I saw you in Port Townsend. Yeah. The, yeah. The last week has been a blur to me. I'm like, I I went to Port Townsend. I got to go. I, I made a, a logo for the local high school and they printed it on the gym floor. So I got to go see that. That was a very exciting experience. And then, uh, and then I went to Canada, and then I saw you twice, just like passing, just right, like passing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I do know you've made yourself like one of the most hated people in town. Why? Just because everyone likes the old logo so much. Well, that's well, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, they were the so we have to say this. They were the Redskins. Like yeah, can't. they they changed their name from the Redskins, and they had a big image yeah. of like a, a Plains Indian in headdress, which doesn't even make sense because in Western Washington that wasn't the culture. That's true. That, that wasn't a cultural thing. Yeah, around these parts, so it was like it was just bad on bad. But um, <laughs> it, it's been changed. It's been changed to the Red Hawk. I don't know. I it was really we- kind of weird going to the school because like. They brought out, like, the principal, the superintendent came out, like... Oh, yeah. It's, like, a big deal. It's a hullabaloo, man. 
So anyway, uh, so that happened, and I went to Canada for my birthday. Went and saw my favorite band, Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, they were awesome. Canada was awesome. Everything was awesome. It was just beautiful. The Lego song did, had it right. Did you, <laughs> everything is awesome. Did you eat any poutine? I did. You know. Did it. you drink any Canadian craft beer? I did. Tell me about that. Uh, so I so the big uh, brewery that's actually right there in Canada is Phillips Brewing Company. In Victoria. In Victoria, yeah. And uh, I, uh, we, it was like it was like this big music festival called Rifflandia. So it wasn't just they had like the big park, which was at uh, like this minor league baseball stadium. That's where like Death Cab played. But they also had bands that just played throughout the city throughout the night. So they had a venue at Phillips Brewing Company, and so we kind of went there, had a couple beers, met up with this dude named Lucas who worked at the brewery, uh, made some Canadian friends, friendly people in Canada. Turns out. Go figure. Um, but yeah, Phillips Beer, man, delicious. Love it. So, and, and you really don't, I was talking to Lucas about this, is like you don't see... Uh, Canadian beers very much in the Pacific Northwest. Is no, it like don't. some weird thing where like it's hard to get them across the border? Or I don't, I don't know. think it would be profitable. Yeah, because I mean, um, the brewery where I work, we just started selling beer in Canada mm-hmm. uh, in twenty twos, and we literally make over twice as much. We sell it for over twice as much Canadian as we do in America. It's like we sell our twenty twos for around four bucks. Wow. And in Canada, they're over $8. So I think if you're brewing in Canada, you might as well just keep it in Canada and sell it for 8 bucks instead of trying yeah. to compete in the U.S. and meanwhile selling it for half as much. Yeah, I get that. I just wish there was more Canadian beers. So they had, they, there were three breweries represented there. You had Phillips, you had Vancouver Island Brewing Company, and then there's one that starts with an H. I can't remember it. But uh, yeah, I tried a bunch of beer. Poutine, of course, from a food truck. Uh, oh, I've never had truck poutine. It was good. It was real good. And then, uh, God, the exchange rate was wonderful. Everything was great. I had a tube steak. What? Okay, I don't actually know what a tube steak is. <laughs> tube steak is a, it just a hot dog? Yeah, it's just a hot dog. Oh, okay. But like this guy was selling. This guy is like late night. Lydia and I were wandering the streets of downtown Victoria. Uh, I go to the ATM to get some cash, and it's at like a Scotia Bank because they don't have like the same banks we do. So I'm I go up and it has like the thing where you have to swipe your card to get into the ATMs. So I was like, oh well, we got to find somewhere else. And then the guy at the tube state card is like, no, 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 no. You can put any card in there and it'll open up. So we're like, oh, Uh-oh. thanks, man. So we go in, we get our money. Beautiful. Go to the ATM, take out sixty dollars. Actually, fifty six dollars exchange rate, motherfucker. And so mm-hmm. walk in out. Beautiful Canadian currency. Oh my god, it's wonderful. It feels, mm-hmm. it's like made out of plastic. Yeah, it's all plasticky and stuff. I literally went to the pool with a 20 in my pocket. It was no big deal. <laughs> just kept it in my pocket in my swimsuit. <laughs> that is a privilege. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so we come out and then the guys, you know, he helped us out. So I was like, all right, well, I'll, get a, I'll get a tube steak because <laughs> it was the cheapest thing on the menu. And when you're at a food, when you're at a hot dog cart, you always get the cheapest thing on the menu. So that's it, a good, yeah, that's yeah, a good rule of thumb. Yeah, of course. And so <laughs> I get the tube steak. It's just a hot dog. I was hoping it would be something more exciting, but I did notice the most expensive thing on the menu at this food truck with with a with a man who had zero teeth running it. Ooh, um, was a thing called a ribber. 
And so I had to ask what the ribber was. And I, he goes, have you ever heard of a McRib? And I was like, yeah. And he opens up this, like, igloo cooler <laughs> and pulls out this plastic bag full of McRibs. It's like, this is a yeah. ribber. <laughs> How much did he want for that? $6. Oh, okay. So, like, $5. Was it, like, $25? No, no, no. The most expensive thing at the food cart was 6 bucks. I also told him, he's like, I'm trying to get something new every year. I was like, well, you know what you got to do, buddy, is yeah. you got to get cream cheese. And you'll be, like, oh, yeah. the most popular guy on the block. And he goes, you're from Seattle, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So, that was my Canadian experience. It was wonderful. And then I'm going to Colorado tomorrow, so. Are you? Yeah. What for? Uh, Lydia's sister's getting married, so it's like oh. a quick weekend jaunt to uh, the Alpine, Colorado town of Steamboat Springs. Nice. So maybe I'll catch some Avery beer while I'm down there. Mm-hmm. Get yourself some fool's gold. <sighs> yeah. And then uh, right now, I'm actually, I picked up a Wicked Riff from 12 Bar Brews. I had this at the uh, Father's Day Fest here in Seattle, and it was good then, but I was also pretty toasty. I'm drinking it now. It's really delicious. I like this beer a lot. Um, so yeah, they're from Woodenville, 12 Bar Brews, and they had guitar picks, which I thought was cool. So, Right. Right. So, you want to get some listener feedback? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um... So quite a bit of feedback this week. Starting off with our good buddy Joe. Joe, who got me the awesome Innsmouth Tiki mug. He's a home brewer, and so he had this to ask. He said, hey, Eric and Jesse. So I've been home brewing a lot since I upgraded to 10-gallon batches. I noticed that I had a bad habit of sampling my batches at just about every opportunity. By sample, I mean have a taster and then three more just to make sure I have captured every subtle nuance. So I call my brewing style the sampler. So I pose you this question. What kind of brewer are you? Or would you be? So this is a question because you're the brewer and I'm the would you be a brewer. Uh, so are you the sampler? Constant tasting throughout every stage of the brewing process ensures the best brew. The peak of perfection is sadly the last glass. Two, the observer. You do not disturb the sanctity of the beer. Only through observation and a minimum of disturbance during the required periodic testing can one discern the perfect beer. Three, the archaeologist. You are in it for the long haul. Maximum aging and conditioning is the only way to ensure the optimum drinking experience. Barrel-aged barley wine, anyone? And four, the alchemist. Everything but the kitchen sink. There is no ingredient too taboo. The quest for the perfect beer can only be determined through experimentation. What are you, Jesse? Uh, probably a mix of the observer and the archaeologist. Yeah. I feel I like you're an archaeologist. Put, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put things in my little five-gallon barrel and leave them in the closet for over a year. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But I like to look at my beer a lot. Um, and, yeah, I think I, you actually can get a pretty good idea of, of where your beer's at just by looking at it. But you don't sample it throughout the process? No, nah, I, I like to leave it alone. All right. Does that... So you probably haven't made a bad batch of beer in quite a while. No, actually, I, I've been pretty good for several years. Yeah. <laughs> once, I figure once you get to a certain level, it kind of stops happening. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, when you were just starting out, didn't that make it a huge bummer when you created kind of a bad beer? I don't know. I was still so excited about mm-hmm. just doing it at that point yeah. that even the ones that didn't quite turn out, I was still ch- jazzed up on that. <laughs> So, Joe, I met up with Joe to get uh, he, when he gave me the tiki mug, and he told me the story. I hope that he doesn't mind me uh, recounting it. But he said that he was making a beer, and um, in and it it required peat, peat barley. Uh, yeah. So 
he and it, you know peat barley apparently was very strong, so it wanted like a few ounces of peat bar- peat barley, but he read it instead of ounces as pounds. Oh God! And he said he made this beer that was just straight up smoky flavor. And yeah. he tried to power through and just drink it, but he couldn't do it. It just tasted like, like basically a, a soggy moss, uh, smoky smoke. Yeah, yeah. Peated malts is pretty <laughs> potent. Yeah. Like, for example, we will use in our um, in our Scotch whiskey that we make at work. We'll use five five pounds of it in a three thousand pound grain bill. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that five pounds comes through strong, so yeah. obviously you don't really want to screw around with it too much, and you definitely don't want to add <laughs> 16 times more than you're supposed to. Yeah, so if you if, you're, uh, if your beer tastes like uh, that bog that they were walking through in Lord of the Rings, probably too much peat. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the one with all the dead guys in it? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what those guys were tasting. That's what those guys were named. Peat. <laughs> hey, Jesse. Dun 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 Here comes oh, the McBride. I'm standing and oh. weeping openly. <laughs> Good. Here comes the McBride. He looks so beautiful. Michael McBride here. <laughs> I was just noticing something as I was calling in, and I've, of course, you know I call in once a week, and I am very flattered that you guys are trying to think of a segment name for me. But I was just listening to this, and I was kind of thinking about it every single time I call in, just about. You guys, the voicemail, it needs to be updated, I think. Because about, it says, and it, hey, leave, hey guys, this is new from Post America, too, at least, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing it says on there that kind of bugs me, because it's not kind of true, because pretty much anybody who calls in is pretty much going to get put on. Because, I mean, seriously, you've had guys calling in about their, their, uh, I think it was their rim job, or something frame like job. that. Frame job. Frame uh, job. Well, I can't remember what it was. It was someone calling. It was like you had telemarketers call. You put any voicemail you get up here. So I don't think that the may end up on the podcast <laughs> that needs to be in there anymore. Just a personal opinion. <laughs> I know it was a completely useless and silly statement to say, but I just thought it was kind of funny. But the other thing I just want to say is I recently marathon through the Fargo series. I of course listened to the uh, Fargo podcast that Aaron, Aaron, and and Jim put out, and I definitely like the. I actually have to say my favorite episode of the podcast was the episode where Eric guest hosted. I'm saying I nothing against Jim because I think Jim's awesome, but I just think it was. I just loved having the whole interaction between Aaron and you, Eric, through the whole bit, and I love those little bits of information throughout the whole series of it that you would do with your little call-ins. All right, guys. Oh, and I'm rambling, but I don't care. <laughs> hey, let's put it this way. Uh, Tony Romo was not the worst quarterback out there. He actually, yes, just he did the shittiest he has ever done in a while. Last week, or well, this would be um, the, the first week of the season. But he has a, but the reason, if you look at it, he actually only had 10 interceptions last season. The problem with Romo is he has the worst timing in the world for his interceptions. All right, guys. I'm rambling. I just shut up. It's late. Good night. Farewell. Stay arrogant. Get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my back, Michael. 
Um, couple things there. So, first of all, congratulations to crack the code. We actually do put every phone call that we get on the podcast. Uh, you can call us three six zero three six two zero zero two four. I think the only way that it that wouldn't happen is if we got like way too many voicemails that they would just fill up the entire show, right? And or if something was extremely offensive. Yeah, that's true. I think we might have cut one or two because of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, you cracked the code. So three six zero three six two zero zero two four. If you want to hear your voice through your earbuds on next week's show. Um, the other thing here is I'm very flattered that you liked, um, my episode, my guest spots on the Fargo TV podcast. You're in luck, buddy, because now you get a TV podcast every week featuring me, Jesse, and Rocky Mountain Correspondent. That's right. I guess we need to announce this. We're going to be doing a Gotham podcast. We're going to be covering Gotham on Fox for the Bald Move Network. This is like a legit Bald Move TV show podcast. So we're very excited about that. The, The pilot episode is up. Right now on BallMove.com, it'll be coming to iTunes very soon, so check that. But it's that. not an episode about the pilot. Right, it's a, the pilot episode preview. of the podcast, previewing the pilot of the show. <laughs> See, we're seasoned vets. Yeah. And then finally, I didn't say Tony Robbins was the worst quarterback in the league. I said no, that definitely I'm, not. I'm constantly astounded at how bad he is at playing quarterback. There's, those are two different things. <laughs> like it, there are there are worse quarterbacks in the league, but I'm not usually astounded at how bad they are because they're they're supposed to be bad because they're bad. Mm. Whereas Tony Romo is just weirdly bad, uh, just astoundingly bad, and he's not supposed to be bad. So anyway, he's strong bad, dude. This beer is crazy carbonated. Oh really? Yeah. Like. I I can barely drink like more than a sip, and then like if my mouth fills up with carbon dioxide. Oh, that's too bad. Do you wow. know? If, does it say if it's bottle conditioned? It's super fizzy. It doesn't say that. It's really fizzy and like foam. God, it's crazy. I'd be willing to bet there's some sort what? of bottle conditioning error. Yeah, it's like coming out the top now, and I'm like halfway through it. <laughs> yeah, so don't slam it down. Or anything. Is it gonna? Is it dangerous? You mean to your health? Yeah. No. I've had some crazy burps so far. Yeah, it's just gonna make you burp a lot. Well, that's good for the listener. Let's <laughs> move on to more. Let's move on to more emails that I'll read. Okay, Kevin says, "Hey guys, just wanted to confirm the social political drama that can be associated with WoW. It can be intense and crazy, but it also makes it entertaining at times. One of the things that people did not realize while I was playing would be why I told people, no, I cannot hang out tonight." Because I have a raid scheduled. They did not get how I had scheduled a video game. (laughs) When you are in a 25-man raid and you do not show up, especially because I was the healer, then you are letting 24 other people down, which you have become friends with. They all took time away from doing their things to get on it. And if two to three people did not show up, you could not even do the raid? With 25 people? Well, I mean, if like if two of your healers don't show up, it's not even worth trying because everyone's going to be dead. Wow. Uh, oh yeah. So everyone just wasted their time. I think this is why the game may be perceived to be so addictive too, is because there's a social peer pressure to uh, be online and play when you reach the higher levels and have a rating group. Uh, real life friends and family just do not understand that I was just a healing orc shaman trying to make his way in the virtual world. Side note, the social group is one of the things that keep people playing the game, but it's also why they quit. My guild dissolved suddenly one day, 
And that is when I decided it was about time to hang up the mouse and keyboard. Get off my back. That is an awesome cloak I got from Nexramus. <laughs> <laughs> bind on pickup. Is that what it is? Yeah, I guess. All right. Is it a bind on, bind on pickup? Well, there's bind on pickup, bind on equip. Bind on equip. That's what I'm trying to say. So, like, if it's bind on pickup, whoever picks it up. It's they're stuck with it, but bind on equip, you can still pick it up and sell it to someone else. Oh, wait, I don't. No, I got those. Whatever, doesn't matter. Well, so man, this is just crazy to me. The D and D thing, but I guess this is also the same philosophy we use for the podcast. It's yeah. like if you or I don't show up, then there's no podcast. That's true. So we just keep on doing it. Yeah. And I'm often like, I can't do anything tonight. Yep. I got a podcast. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have told friends, hey, I can't go out to trivia. I got a podcast. <laughs> Maybe they think I'm addicted to podcasting. Could be true. Uh, let's get to some more feedback here. Food. Malcolm Taylor says, what's up, guys? Love the food talk. Even though I feel like telling me about the pass after it had sold out was a huge pasta tease. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about the pasta pass from Olive Garden. Mm. Malcolm would have been in on that. He says, I'm not, however, a fan of this. Uh, here we go, man. This is a cheeseburger in Japan from Burger King. Yeah, I heard about this. It's all black. It's yeah. Black bun, black cheese. And then a brown... Ugh. Ugh. I just don't really understand. Um... Apparently, part of it's like dyed with squid ink. Okay, I'm I'm into that. At least it's natural. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to see why why they would even do this. Uh, well, you know, for ninjas. Ah. When you're snacking in the shadow. Ah, okay. Uh, gothy looking burger will be available at Burger Kings of Japan starting September 19th. Why? I would eat one. I don't know, man. Like, it looks really unappetizing. I bet you it turns your whole mouth black. Like, those, like, black, like, uh, black, uh, gobstoppers or whatever. Yeah. Black licorice. This makes your teeth all black. I would still eat one. But I'm a sucker for novelty fast food items. Well, I mean, I feel like this is, like, not like, I feel like this is weirder than a double down, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm okay. I would eat an all, I would eat an all black double down. <laughs> all black double down. Yeah, I just it's it's like unnatural. Like at least a double down is putting together processed food. This is taking <laughs> processed food and making it even more processed. Yeah, I guess I don't think anything's worse than the double down. <laughs> really? You don't? You think the Dorito taco is not worse than the double down? They were like, we don't need buns. Let's use chicken patties for <laughs> buns. <laughs> at least the. I mean, the Dorito Loco, they're just like, let's add some flavoring Dorito powder to the taco. That's not all that wild. Well, but... KFC was like, screw it. <laughs> Chicken patties are the new buns. But there's nothing in the sandwich, though. It's just yes, there cheese. Is. There was like, ba there's ham and cheese and sauce. Oh, there's no ham. It's only bacon, I think. Still, that's like... They're like, let's do a BLT, but screw the lettuce and tomatoes. We need sauce, and instead of bread, chicken. Chicken. All right, I guess. I don't know, man. I feel like this is worse for some reason. And I, you and I, I mean, visually. Yeah. Visually, the all-black Whopper is worse. It Ugh. is really weird to look at. I don't like it. Um, oh, here's another uh, 
Oh, da, 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 da. I'll Here's... tell my dad to get one though, since he's in Japan right now. Nice. Take a picture, smiling afterwards with like black ink in your teeth. Uh, here, here's another McBride. Michael McBride. Just wanted to know, <laughs> was y'all Seattle's loss worse than a punch in the face? <laughs> yes, I just had to go there. But also, I had to say, I am very happy that Dallas decided they wanted to show up this week <laughs> and see see Eric. Tony Romo can be a quarterback. It's just he doesn't have to decide that should be a quarterback. And also, it's probably because the fans are running the other side of the to show up this week. And they said, oh, yeah, let's hand the ball off to Murray. They actually know what they're it's like, yeah, that's probably a smart <laughs> idea. The man's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. All right, guys. All right. Just don't like doing a little trash talking. I just felt like you might when I have a new, I might give you all a new intro or part or a snippet for an intro on the what is it worse than a portion of my Alright, guys, David, I can get off my back. Michael is turning this quickly into the Cowboys podcast. <laughs> the get, Cowcast. Get your pink Romo jersey ready, because you know Michael has one. <laughs> he bought it off the uh, Jessica Simpson uh, fire sale. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's great. Hey, man, Seahawks lost its second game of the season. It's 120 degrees. It happens. Hey, I'm not, hey, let, don't take anything away from the Chargers. I'm not they at all. They won that game. They I, came out and they played yeah. great and won that game. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from them either. And I don't. I think it's lame that people are like, well, it was really hot. I'm like, the Chargers were playing in the same temperature. Yeah. You could see Philip Rivers sunburning throughout <laughs> the course of the game. Seriously, like his skin was changing color. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a scorcher. Yeah, I mean, they, play, they were playing in the same temperature, so... I don't really understand why one is... It's not like it's 100 degrees every day in San Diego. So, anyway, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, I'm also very happy the Niners lost. And, hey, the Cardinals are at the top of the division. Yeah, I know. Okay, and then we got one more voicemail this week. And this is so sad because Michael just said we play every voicemail that we get. Uh, but we got one one more voicemail this week. And it comes. it came to us from New Jersey. And unfortunately, the audio was really garbled. Uh, it, uh, it came to us from the 856 in New Jersey. The audio was just like super garbled, and uh, we could make out a little bit of it, but we couldn't make out the whole thing. So we really want to encourage the person who called in from New Jersey, please call in again, um, maybe from a landline, because sometimes the cell phones get a little jumbled. But we really want to hear what you have to say. Uh, unfortunately, the, the audio quality was just way too jumbled, which I'm really bummed out about because I could tell one thing. It started with the uh, Get Up My Running Back theme song, which is easily my favorite theme song I've ever written. So, uh, But unfortunately, the rest of it didn't really come through. So please call back and uh, and please uh, please keep in touch. Uh, so 360 is the voicemail line. That's listener feedback. Let's get on to the show. What do you say, J-Dog? Let us. All right. Uh, so we're going to start off this week with a little bit of science. If today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. So Jesse, we got some big science news this week. A couple of really, really interesting things. So the first thing, I was watching this video. It got posted on Reddit, and it was of this like deep-sea diving team. And they, like, have this robotic uh, submarine, and they're, like, down in the depths of the abyss. And they come upon this, um, 
this crazy looking animal that kind of looks like a long fish with like a chainsaw coming out of its head, but it's all like iridescent and uh, and semi-transparent and weird. And apparently it's this thing called a siphonophore. Have you heard of these things? Mm-mm. So apparently the, the, the biggest, the, uh, the, the best, the most well-known siphonophore is the Portuguese man-o'-war. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, I heard of it too. I always thought it was like some kind of jellyfish. It, I think it just kind of looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, and that's that actually is the case. Uh, it's a jellyfish, but the crazy thing about this, uh, they're class of marine. So siphonophores are a class of marine animals, and although they appear to be a single organism, each specimen is actually a colony composed of many individual animals. Most colonies are long, thin, transparent pelagic floaters uh some siphonophores superficially resemble jellyfish the cra- <laughs> it's just it's that's cr- so crazy to me because they're specialized dense colonies of animals i was reading up on this and their animals the animals are so specialized that they can't survive outside of the siphonophore right they're all individual animals it's like if like if your arm were its own animal, mm-hmm. and if it, like if your arm fell off, it would die because like, right? It, it needs to be fed by the mouth or something. But that's the crazy thing is that like, it is its own animal. <laughs> like your right. arm is yours. And the, the, so scientists have been studying these siphonophores because they, uh, they, they're like basically like we, you know, where you're you're built out of cells, right? And your cells all have similar parts. They have mitochondria, they have uh, endoplasmic reticulum. Uh, there's nothing else I can remember from my ninth grade biology class. <laughs> but they um, cell wall, cell wall, totally cell wall, cell wall, bro. Um, but uh, but these are like cells, except they're all individual organisms. Which I don't know about you, but that sounds absolutely terrifying to me. No, I'm into it. It's a little bit like um, how, like the uh, Power Rangers, you know, mm-hmm. they all had their own little cars, but then they would form up to create a giant robot. Yeah, I guess so, that's cool. So that's cool. I guess it just is insanely cre- like it's creepy to me to think that if you're like a living organism locked in a prison of another organism stuck next to two people for your entire life on the one hand you're stuck but on the other hand it's like the the sum is or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts you know so you get to join up and become like this badass super organism how do they breed though then uh let's see let's see if this is in the article does it like the whole organism like rubs up against another i mean the whole the whole thing, I guess it's not an organism, it's a collection of organisms that right. just like rub up and it's like, all right, everyone start doing it. I guess I I gotta check this. How do siphonophores this is the weirdest thing that's ever been Googled. How does <laughs> siphon- actually not even close to being true. <laughs> How do siphonophores procreate? Does it does it sound creepier because I said procreate? Pro no. Okay. No, because it's like I mean, you kind of have to have that official word because it's not like they're just fucking. They're just fucking. They're they're, just... they're, they're doing something more than just fucking. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's see. 
seems you're right. I found that mana wars aren't jellyfish at all. They're blah blah blah. Um, it seems you're right. It seems you are correct. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't know. This is something we're gonna have to defer. I think this is something yeah. I, we're gonna have to research. I just. How does it reproduce? Answers.com. This is definitely gonna give us the right answer. <laughs> uh. Research. I guess. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They're. Oh, that's not too bad. They're. They're basically. They. I. I did read that actually. Man wars are very similar to coral polyps. Um. In that they're living organisms that are all connected together. Um. So yeah, they just. They just. Uh, they reproduce asexually by ejecting eggs into the water and a male ejecting sperm oh. into the water. And God, I, the ocean's just so nasty. It's gross, man. Ugh. That's the thing, man. I know Aaron's from, you know, the Midwest, but when he went to the Pacific Ocean, the first thing he did was take a whole mouthful of water. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, there's so much siphonophore sperm in there. Yeah, sperm and eggs just all milling about. Just becoming part of you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually almost never, almost never go in the ocean, especially the Puget Sound, which is not where you guys were, but... yeah. The ocean well, is truly disgusting. I don't know. I go in the ocean like Hawaii. Like, no prob. Even then, I just kind of hang out on the beach while my wife goes snorkeling. Huh. I don't know. I'm oh. not into it. I'm into... I like the... I, we have the fresh, clean, glacier-fed lakes where everything's been um, freeze-sterilized and it just flows down into a nice cold lake in the mountains that's what i like to dip into well yeah that's pristine man exactly but i, mean, I don't need no stinking ocean hawaii floating around is great because it's salty <laughs> i don't need it you float um oh so there's a little more on this it says portuguese man of war does reproduce asexually by budding or cloning polyps throughout most of its adult life which remain attached to the float a.k.a. the founding polyp, and then differentiate into one of three functionally distinct types of zooids. Uh, Wait, so they're the same species, but they develop into different functions. Okay, so they're not the same species, because... Or I guess they're the same species? Yeah, you basically like clone a bro on your shoulder, and then your bro on your shoulder becomes... That's something that you need to functionally survive. Right. And so, yeah, you you like clone out a floater and then things are attached to the floater that take on one of three roles. Well, no, see, you, you become a central polyp through the fertilization of sperm and egg Uh floating around. Uh Then... Once you're that then central you, polyp... Then you, get, then you clone a arm. Yeah, then you clone a bro and turn him into an arm. <gasps> yeah. <sighs> that, that makes sense. Nuts. <laughs> that makes that is nuts. Sense. I feel like Siphonophore is quickly becoming a fascinating... It's, it's too gross to be one of my favorite animals, but it's becoming one of these fascinating things is why I love the deep and the defenders of the deep. By the way, I saw some defenders of the deep. Or actually, more wolves of the sea. Uh, my cross of Victoria. So I got to see a pot of orcas, which is very nice. Cool. Dang, you had like a heck, heck of a weekend. I know it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, dude. So that's siphonophore news. So keep your eyes posted. 
from where they clone, clone yourself an extra pair of eyes. <laughs> That's so crazy, man. It really. And I feel like we need to apply this technology to like regenerating limbs and stuff. So you got your arm stuck in a wood chipper and it's gone now. We're gonna clone you an arm bro. Yeah, exactly. That's its own se- separate organism, but it'll do the same thing. I th- I think the most fascinating thing to to me about all of these deep sea creatures is that yeah they can't build a ford taurus but they can like communicate telepathically like cuttlefish can they could clone a bro arm (laughs) like siphonophores can they could hold their breath for like three hours like a sperm whale like these guys got it made man Mm -hmm. it just blows my mind i was thinking today uh, when i was watching the whales how crazy it is that they breathe oxygen like, no, it's really stupid. It's, it's stupid weird. Like I was, I was... And, and it implies because at one point they were land animals, mm-hmm. and they were like, eh, "Fuck land, we're Fuck going life. back in. We'll just hold our breath." <laughs> and then they You're were able live to... your whole life and just be like, "I'll just hold my breath." Yeah, yeah. It'll be, it'll be fine. What's what's wrong? <laughs> That's the crazy thing is they evolved to be able to hold their breath for that long. Yeah. That's the most insane part. Mm-hmm. Is like we're just gonna go in the ocean, and then the ones of us who have a larger lung, the Lance Armstrongs, are gonna breed, and the other ones are gonna die out, and then it's just gonna keep getting more and more lands. Put a yeah. yellow jersey on that sea wolf. Evolution's cool. It's insane. And then you get freaking, and that's I think that's the other thing about these deep sea creatures. Like I'm sure these siphonophores are like, they're like primordial soup era. They're like they're like just figuring this shit out early. Do we have time for another science topic? We do. I actually have another one, but if okay, you have well, one. Okay, let, well, let's interject one here real okay, quick. Okay, yeah. Um, I was listening to an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast with a guy who I think is a crackpot. Mm-hmm. His name was like Rupert Sheldrake or whatever. And he was, he, he was talking about, um, he calls it like morphic resonance or whatever. Okay. But um, his idea is like, if you train rats to do something in new york somehow they can psychically Uh communicate that to rats all over the world and rats all over the world (laughs) will figure out how to learn new that same task faster okay so it's definitely fringy and out there but there was a paper published in nature Mm -hmm. which was called um inheriting the fears of the father and it was like a legit paper a legit study as far as i can tell where um they took rats, and like when the rats smelled citrus, um, it correlated with pain for them somehow. Huh. So it's like when there was a citrus smell, they would chalk them or whatever. And that's okay. just like basic Pavlovian response, right? Like right. they learned, so they learned to associate that smell yeah. with pain. Yeah. But then they um, they artificially inseminated female rats who had no contact with those rats mm-hmm. and bred. Um, you know, bred a new generation of rats, and those same rats had the same fear response to the smell of citrus. Uh huh. And the idea, and this is part of the thing of epigenetics, is the that that fear translated through um to the next generation without it being an environmental factor. Right. And I, I have a. a anecdotal story to totally support this <laughs> i i i think that this is totally i i i'm uh, this is obviously i i get this in my life as well 
but go. And, and, and where Rupert Sheldrake was, um, where he took it to the next extreme by saying that there's some sort of psychic field where, like, all the rats are feeding off of this all around the world. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't understand why that, like, only your species can tap into that psychic field with other <laughs> members of your species. Yeah. I don't know. That part's weird to me. I but, don't think that's, um, yeah, that's a little cracked body. My uh, my anecdotal evidence is that Russell is absolutely terrified of bees. Uh-huh. She'll be, and I've been stung a bunch of times in my life, like way more than the average person has been stung. Yeah. And my daughter will be like playing out on the on the patio, and there will be a bee just kind of buzzing around, and she'll run inside and be like, "Bee, bee, bee, bee!" <laughs> like she's totally terrified of them, uh-huh. and she's never been stung before. Does she? And she doesn't. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like that would be learned at her age that like bees yeah. sting even. I, yeah, no, she doesn't. She's not afraid of any other insects. She's not afraid of flies or anything. Yeah, she's never been stung by a bee. I don't think that I've been stung in front of her, or anyone's been stung like in front of her uh-huh. that she could have learned that. Yeah. I think somehow she picked up <laughs> through my horrible experiences with bees and wasps in my lifetime that. <laughs> that just bees are nasty run away from them that's crazy man see for me it's things like mannerisms like it's the type of thing i'm sure you probably get this too is like you're doing something and you realize you're just doing exactly what your dad does like <laughs> and the weird thing for me yeah like it's not even like it's things that are like i do them because it's like scratching an itch so the one thing that i've noticed since i got married is that i wear my wedding ring and i do this thing with my like with my thumb and my my pinky, where I kind of like wrap around the wedding ring and just kind of twirl it on my finger. Mm-hmm. It's like the exact same thing that my dad does, and I don't think I, I don't think it's a learned response because I grew up watching my dad do that. It's just, it literally is like scratching an itch. I don't know. It could be it could totally be psychological, but it's just one of those weird things. It's like oh no, I'm just doing what my dad does. Yeah, and th- I mean that would ex- it explains why. So often people have that feeling like, oh, I'm becoming my mother or my father, you know? Right. Because a lot of it is just like your body is pretty similar to your parents' body. Right. So probably some of the same things that you do, uh, your parents also uh, do. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. It's all, so, it's all weird, man. Epigenetic. I can't wait to see what my kids do that's weird. This is, they're like little experiments. They're little petri run, dishes. Run away from bees. <laughs> My, my my kids are fine with my kids will be fine with bees. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, we got one more here. This one comes from NPR. Really interesting headline. It's it's if we create life, who will control it? So basically, there's this article about um, about like you know as since since we can patent things like genes, once we start creating life to do things like combat viruses or whatever. Um, who actually owns that life? Mm-hmm. Because you could have, you could have a patent on life, basically. And the interesting thing here is they kind of buried the lead. It's not if or if we create life; it's it's we've already created life, which is mm. crazy. I did not know this. Um, but there's an article in Foreign Affairs uh, where there's this place called the uh, what is this called? It's called the J. Craig. Um, J. Craig Venter Foundation. Apparently, this is a private 
private company team that started with DNA and constructed a novel genetic sequence of more than 1 million coded bits of information known as nucleotides. So basically what they did here at the Venter place is they looked at certain strands of DNA, and they're viruses that actually infect bacteria. They were able to find these viruses and look at the DNA structures of them, and, and they were able to... Um, they were able to chemically build those DNA strands, and then when they injected them into into artificial, uh, basically bodies for them, they came alive. So they were able to chemically create the DNA and then inject it into, uh, you know, protein or proteins or whatever, and then it became alive and it was eating, it was moving around, it was doing all this stuff. So they basically synthesized life. Which That's is awesome. Just crazy to me. And well, yeah, go ahead. No, and then and and that's the thing is once they start doing this shit and making muta- uh, mutated forms of these things, they're going to own the patents of life. I I think people have been doing this since like the 70s though. Oh yeah. Yeah, I vaguely recall in Cosmos like the original mm-hmm. Cosmos them talking about creating life in labs based off of the conditions of the so-called primordial soup. Well, from what I from what I remember, they were able to create uh, the basically what they did here, those kind of shells. They were able right. to go up to that edge of almost life, but they weren't able to actually make it alive. Oh, we jumped over that now? Yeah, so this so they were able to I'll, I'll read this. He created a virus based on the Phi X174 genomic code. He followed the same recipe later to generate the DNA for his larger and more sophisticated creature. Venter and team figured out how to make artifi- an artificial bacterial cell. So they were able to create the bacterial cell artificially and then figured out how to make an artifact uh and then oh sorry. Uh and then inserted their man-made DNA genome inside. So they could create those artificial bacterial cells, but they couldn't actually make them alive. And then apparently in 2010, they just made it alive, and it wasn't even, like, big news. <laughs> just slipped that one by. Yeah! That's crazy shit, man. You know how there's a, I think it's Albert Einstein quote that's like, I don't know uh, which weapons will be used to fight World War Three, but I know World War Four will be fought by... Uh, fought with sticks and rocks. Uh huh. I think World War Three will be like fought with the people who make super uh, viruses versus the people who make super robots. Yeah, it's kind of this weird. <laughs> that's funny. And they'll kill all the humans on yeah. Earth. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> then World War Four will be fought between you know between robots. super viruses and the robots. Well, it's they they, they can leave peacefully because they won't even uh, affect each other. No, that's a good point. So the it's going to be versus between robots. <laughs> or virus on virus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be two. It's going to be dual <laughs> dual fronts. Uh man, it just blows my mind, dude. So between this and the siphonophores, I got my science my science mind blown. Uh this week. And epigenetics and and morphic resonance. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of that idea. I just kind of think I don't understand that that they could learn it more quickly. But like, apparently, I'm I'm and I'm only I haven't looked into this, but I guess they're able to demonstrate that it does happen in some capacity. Like okay. if you if you teach uh, mice a new trick in New York, it'll take six months. If and then once they've learned it, the the mice in Sydney, it only takes them six weeks or something. But again, like 
I only am taking this guy's word on it. I haven't actually looked into it. I don't know what controls were in place during those experiments or anything. Yeah. But if it is true, it would be super cool. Yeah, it would be. I just am a little... Maybe that's like... You could also argue, if you were a crackpot, that that is how society has really ballooned intellectually in the last hundred years. Yeah, I think they're talking about like how humanity really took off I don't know. Well, there's also the idea that kind of blows my mind is that world records keep getting broken in sports. And, like, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with training and has to do with nutrition and has to do with drugs. And, uh, but it's just crazy to me that, like, every Olympics they keep breaking records. It's like eventually you're going to have to reach a point where you can't break the record anymore, right? Yeah. No, that's going to plateau. But I'm, you know, that's mostly done. I'm sure because of training, nutrition, and equipment. Yeah. Anyway, I think that that's that's enough. That's a good science block. Let's move on to some trivia. What do you say? Let's. Let's. Uh, so I'm going to roll a 20-sided die, or a six-sided die, whichever one works. Um, and I got a six, sports and leisure, speaking of world records. All right. All right, Jesse, this first one's for you. What's the most popular four-player game of all time? A four-player game of all time. Most popular. I, I mean, is this a stupid question? Mm-hmm. I just, I'm having a hard time thinking about it. Uh, I'm going to go with, like, uh, Bridge. I'm going to go with Mahjong. Oh, you got it. It's Bridge. Yeah. How do you even figure that out? Because nobody's buying Bridge. Oh, I guess they do have their own cards, don't they? Right. Yeah, it yeah. has its own... has its own deck. No... I, they have their own size of cards, I think. Ugh, I don't know, man. Bridge like bridge, bridge decks, I think, have the same 52 cards, but are smaller? Should we get into bridge? That would be probably a lot of fun. I know. Yes, we should. Packs, By packs. Bridge packs, yeah. Um. <laughs> Bridging the gap. You're listening to the bridge cast. <laughs> Coming to the Bald Move Network this fall. Um, all right, this question for me. Who was the first NHL player to score 50 goals in the season? This is 1981. I'm going to go with Knut Rockenberry. I'll say Mario Lemieux. Maurice Richard. Maurice oh, Richard. Maurice. Good old Maurice. Some people call him the Space Cowboy. Some people call him uh, the uh, Ace of Spades. Uh, question, <laughs> this question's for you. Uh, how many events make up a decathlon? Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. Definitely 10. Yeah, that was easy. That wow. one was simple. All right, this is uh, just trying to save face here for me. What American won the World Grand Prix Driving Championship in 1978? 1978. I'm going to go with... Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Nikki Fowler. Mario Andretti. Oh, I was close. Ugh. With Mario Lemieux. Exactly. <laughs> I looked up a uh, bridge deck, and they're talking about the deck of a bridge. <laughs> what? Like on Wikipedia. I get, uh, yeah, like on a ship, but that seems like that's the weird thing that first pops up. Yeah. D- okay, deck of cards and a game of bridge. Let's move, it, move ahead here. I'll okay. do some research on the fly. Okay, good. Uh, so coming up next, oh, we have uh, a little... Um, Cascadia news, sort of. So Jesse, I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but there's been a pretty big vote in Scotland today. Yeah, it's 
exciting. Um, so I'm going to check, see if there's any updates. Apparently they're going to, they're going to announce it tomorrow. What happens? But uh, apparently, like two years ago, I, I feel like I've turned into the apparently kid. <laughs> apparently, apparently two years ago, apparently the UK decided that they were going to allow uh, Scotland to um, decide whether or not it wanted to be a member of the UK. And David Cameron, the the, PA, or the, the prime minister at the time, was said it's a calculated risk. Uh, and so two years later, boom, 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 they're doing it. Bing, bang, boom. You're vo- voting too long. Bing, bang, boom. You're voting too long. And Scotland is now voting to secede from the United Kingdom. What do you think about this as a former or as a current Commonwealth citizen? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, the North will rise again. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I can understand. I'm, I'm a Wilsonian po- politically. Uh-huh. Um, I believe in national self-determination of all people. And I think mm-hmm. that I believe in plebiscites. They did it in the 20th century quite a bit. Uh-huh. You get to determine, you know, if you want to be part of this country or your own independent country or how you want to do it. And right. I'm happy for them to get that choice. Whether they choose to do it or not doesn't really matter to me. So, uh, one thing I'd like to ask you about that is that, you know, Wilson was, of course, the president of the United States. We have all these states in the United States. Do you think that they should be afforded the same opportunity? I mean, legally, it would be like, how do you do that constitutionally? You, I guess you'd have to put it in the Constitution. Because it, right. apparently there's all these people down in Texas who are like, hey, let's we're inspired now. Let's <laughs> secede. That's my Texas um, I, accent. Yeah. Sorry to all of our Texas listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Martinez clan. Uh-huh. Uh, but apparently, yeah, there's there's some states that are trying to get some uh, get some inspiration from the Scotland vote. Right. Um. No, I think they should be able to choose. I mean, if if a state decided to leave the union, yeah, I wouldn't begrudge them at all. It'd be interesting as an experiment to see what happened. It'd be really interesting. I mean, you have states that I wouldn't mind. Uh, Oregon, I'm looking at you. Oregon. Um, let's try it with Delaware. I mean, it's so small. <laughs> be like it could be the Luxembourg of North America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like so, that you know that probably wouldn't be a big, a big what to do if Delaware seceded. But if a state like California seceded and all of, became, all of a sudden became the fifth largest economy in the world, that might be a little more interesting. Yeah, because the they're doing states. so great. They're doing a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was reading up on this today. Apparently in Texas, they uh, so you know there's people who want to secede. They don't have the power to secede from the union because that's called rebellion, and it happened once. And then it ended. Right, no, it would be cool, though, like, I mean, if, if people were serious about it, yeah, it's poss- it would be totally possible to pass a con- an amendment to the Constitution where a state mm-hmm. has the right to vote yeah. whether or not to remain a member of the Union. Well, Rick Perry does say he has intentions to be president in 2016, so <laughs> maybe if good old Ricky gets in the White House, he'll plop that right down there in the Constitution. Well, that's not how amendments to the Constitution are passed. I understand that, but he's probably going to have a Republican majority in both houses. So just say it. Yeah. But then it still has to be like, it's like a three quarter super majority or something. Yeah. It has to be 60%, 66%. I think, I think it has to be, 
think it has to be three quarters, or no, it has to be a two thirds, two thirds vote to get an amendment in the Constitution. So that's why there's only twenty seven of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's not exactly easy, and two of them are dedicated to prohibition and repealing prohibition. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's the most hilarious thing. Like, there's some really boring amendments. Like, it uh, is funny that you can't take an amendment out. You can only mm-hmm. pass another amendment to repeal. Right. <laughs> that contradicts. There's redundancy in the Constitution. <laughs> like I love it. It's like it's like you know some some amendments have asterisks next to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See Amendment Twenty Two. <laughs> Twenty One, sir. Sorry. Twenty Two is two term presidency. Two term. Yeah. Oh, Thorson would be so mad. I know, right? Uh. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like if that happened, certain states would be out immediately. Alaska's gone as soon as that thing's passed. I don't know if that's true, though. I think I think a lot of Americans like being Americans. I think it's I think, a vocal minority who wants to secede. I feel like Alaska, though, is definitely a state that would secede. Oh, here's a great idea, Alaska. Just be like, no, we're not part of America anymore. Oh, who's right across the Bering Strait from you? <laughs> they definitely do not have any intentions of, you know, grabbing up new land that might be out there in some sort of gray zone. <laughs> of will they do anything about it? I can't wait for all the Sarah Palin was right uh, commentary. <laughs> you know, when Russia starts scrambling jets, who are they flying over there? <laughs> um... I would love to see Canadian land grab. Just uh, out of nowhere, the Canucks move in. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. no, it would be an opportunistic move. So I, I also found out something very interesting from a historical perspective on the Scotland thing, is that Scotland actually joined the UK after going bankrupt, after trying to colonize Panama. Which is just so interesting to me, the idea of Scottish colonies. I just Man. love the idea. Apparently, they tried to colonize Panama, and it didn't work out for them. They went bankrupt and then joined the UK. Uh, is that... I mean, is that James like James 1, James 6 era? I have no idea. Okay. Now you're speaking a different language. Because it was like Mary, Queen of Scots, her daughter, or her son, King James... It's like King James I of Scotland is also King James VI of England or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's when the crowns became united. Makes sense. It's all just good science. It's all just good science. I love the idea of colonies, too, for some reason. I love colonies, and I gotta say, man, I'm kind of rooting for Scotland here. I don't know how you feel I, about that. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. The main reason is because you know how much I like to watch the Olympics. I've already brought it up twice on this podcast. And the thing about the, the Olympics is kind of weird to me, is that in the World Cup, Scotland, England, Wales, they're all their own teams but in the olympics was oh, that true yeah but in the world cup they're all their own teams but in the olympics they all they're they're all under the uk banner so mm. like i just want to see scotland compete in the olympics they're gonna be so bad <laughs> but like the scottish curling team i think feel like has a chance i don't know yeah and the and the caber toss oh the caber toss olympic event right yeah it's totally caber <laughs> it's totally an olympic event uh, anyway, the other thing about this is that this has all the Cascadian, uh, people all, all, all excited. God, the Cascadian people annoy me so badly now. Why? I, I used to be all about the idea of Cascadia until uh-huh. it was that one time you were dropping me off at the ferry and there were all those guys 
And by all those guys, I mean like five guys who were like scrawny white dudes with the uh, Guy Fox masks on oh, by the highway. Yeah. That I didn't need. Yeah. Well, it's all, you know, you can't judge a movement by its people. You've got to ju- ju- judge it by its ideals. <laughs> by its merits. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, what does Cascadia stand for? It stands for tech innovation, dank yeah. weather, delicious beer. You, you you get to drink as much Victoria beer as you want in Cascadia. That's true. Uh, I don't know if Canada's going to sign off on this, though. Orca whales. I feel like eventually, I feel like eventually America's going to have to split up. And I'm not saying, like, 20 years. I'm saying, like, 200 years. Yeah, I mean, no empire lasts forever. Yeah, like, America is going to eventually have to regionalize itself. Right. And I kind of think that that gives, I was just thinking about this today, like, I kind of think that it gives certain areas a lot more power than they currently have. Like, Yeah, totally. The Midwest all of a sudden becomes an extremely important country because they are supplying the food to everyone else. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like it, 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 it start, starts to spotlight the importance of your country if you were to regionalize the United States. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're smart, you do it now and use that um, historical momentum to mm-hmm. catapult you into 200 years of prosperity. There you go, and then you can all become another country again when everybody goes to shit. It's perfect. <laughs> it's the expand and retract. Yeah. Where would it's you like, draw? Where, where would you draw the lines? So you have Cascadia. So that'll go down to like we'll just make it Oregon. We'll give all of California California. No, no, we're taking Northern California. Okay, but what's your definition of Northern California? So we're getting, Sacramento. So we're getting San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco is definitely Cascadia. So that means that California is done. Because we're going to split that in two, and then it's going to become another country is going to become like the whole Southwest. Well, I'm going to trade. I'm going to trade Southern California to Mexico for non involvement <laughs> slash arms. Oh, I see. Agreement. Now you're strategizing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a payoff for sure. Well, there you go. Um. I thought that it would become like some kind of Southwest nation that would stretch from California to like West Texas. All of that, giving it all to Mexico. <laughs> all right. I was just saying to just take it all. And then I feel like the Midwest would be a big country though, because I feel like you're gonna want to go like, uh, like the capital would be like Chicago, and it would go all the way to like the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, it would. It definitely would go to the Rockies. Yeah, and then like down the Mississippi, and then you have like Appalachia. Uh, I do want to know what our Luxembourg is going to be because I want a couple tiny countries. I need like a Liechtenstein and a Luxembourg. So okay, I mean, like Rhode Island. I, maybe Manhattan becomes its own. Oh my god, that's entity. A, that's really awesome, actually. Manhattan just becomes its own country. Mm-hmm. And then the the and then New England just becomes all of new goes all the way down to like Pennsylvania. Yeah, and they give themselves a new old tiny sounding name like mm-hmm. Old England. <laughs> old England with an E. Yes. Yeah. A couple E's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you just have the South. <laughs> I don't know what the Rust Belt is though. Like Bald Move Tower, like the whole Ohio, Indiana, mm-hmm. that area. 
that would be part of the greater Midwest Empire. Okay, so it's stretching basically all the way to like the whatever the wherever old England stops. I think old England would go all the way down to like Washington D.C. Yeah, yeah, and then you just could take Virginia. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're going to get Virginia. I think they get Maryland. Okay. And then you're just going to draw a line at, like, Virginia. And then everything from Virginia down to Florida, all the way west of the Mississippi, and then up to, like, uh, Kentucky. That's all its own place. It'd be interesting because, like, uh, during the decline of the Roman Empire, like, politically everyone evacuated Rome Mm -hmm. because it was hard to defend and the the leaders just kind of left it and created a new new capitals around the empire and rome became got sacked a few times and lost all of its prestige i think washington dc would go down pretty hard during all of this shakeup yeah i mean it's also interesting to think about what would the capitals be so i feel like chicago would be the capital of the midwest but i like the idea of like the uruguay it so you have like denver and Ch- and chicago are the cap they're like dual capitals no, I think Chicago would com- be completely destroyed during the robot vir- virus war. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it. I just like the Ironically, idea Ironically, that- Detroit bounces back in a big way, though. Detroit bounces back in a huge way because it gets assimilated into Canada. Michigan just <laughs> puts that hand up in the- its Canadian mother. Why would they do that, though? Because they're broke and they'll take anything? <laughs> right, but Canada would be like, no, no, no. No, <laughs> no. Because Canada then has a direct route into Chicago. Oh, okay. All right. It becomes a trade city. Trade city. Okay. Yeah. I love it. And then Seattle, of course, would be the capital of Cascadia. I don't know about that. I mean, (laughs) San Francisco? Well, I I was kind of thinking Port Townsend. Okay. That works. We got all those Victorian buildings. Well, I like Seattle. I actually like Portland pretty much because I feel like that's smack dab in the middle. I feel like Vancouver might have something to say about this. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was talking to uh, Lucas, the guy from Canada, and he was say he was saying something that I, I didn't really think about. So the capital of British Columbia is Victoria, and it's mm-hmm. on Vancouver Island. So it's, it's super confusing. It's really hard for all of the state or the prov- provincial legislatures. Whatever, I can't Canadian this. Uh, pr- provincial parliament i don't know but to get to victoria because it's on an island so they either have to fly or take a ferry to get there which is so weird that the capital of your province you have to fly or take a ferry to get there it's a little out of the way yeah so apparently they all take seaplanes that's like the thing oh really yeah sweet (laughs) anyway and then yeah boston of course and then i'm I'm going with with tallahassee florida for the south capital Uh, it would go to atlanta we all know it Anyway, <laughs> I'm excited about this idea. So, <laughs> and really, I'm, I I I think it'd be very very interesting to see what happens if Scotland becomes its own country again. Um, yeah, we'll see. You get to add that flag to the uh, flag wall. Do you have to change the Union Jack? Uh, so they have their own flag. It's just blue with a white cross on it. No, I get it, but I mean, like the Union oh, that's Jack true, is true because that's a conglomeration like a of all flag. of them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I feel like they'd have to take out the crosses. They'd have, they'd have to take out the white. Isn't Scotland an X? Yeah, it's the X. I mean, the they'd X. They'd have to take out the white X part. 
But then the red X, I think, is just they just put the red in there to like to show that England and Scotland are the same because the Brit- the English flag is white with the a white red, with a red X, cross. And, and then the Welsh the Welsh flag is like has a like dragon. yeah the griffin on it or whatever. So that would be cool if like England reverted back to the to the red and white flag. Right, but it, it they would still be the United Kingdom right. of Northern Ireland and. Wales. Wales. Yeah. I feel like they lose a lot with Scotland gone. I guess. I don't know. I feel like Northern Ireland would be in a weird position. Yeah, Northern Ireland's like, hey guys, there's this other country, and we're like the same country, so maybe we should just go back to that one. And then Wales is like, we're still here. It would be (laughs) be super interesting if it reverted all the way back to just England. That would be so cool. But the thing about it is Wales. I feel like Wales is like the last guy at the bar who's like, I'm having a good time. And you're like, I kind of want to leave. And he's like, well, we're having a good time. Why are you leaving? But I think the Welsh would get like swept up in this, though. They do have their own language. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Welshmen hate Englishmen. That's true, but I feel like they rely on England a lot for their economy. Okay, we're going to have to get our Welsh listeners to write in. Exactly. All the Welsh listeners write and let us know that you want us to see. And, and also, Jesse, don't don't hate on Cascadia too much, because there's a certain brewery that's at the top of the Reddit page for our slash Cascadia. Oh, no, I'm not hating on it. It's, <laughs> it's, just, those, it's just when I saw those guys in the Guy Fox mask yeah. and the oh, flying the the flag on the highway i was like okay i'm instantly disassociating myself from this group not to mention the cascadia flag like who who settled on that because they need a new design (laughs) well like the tree is a little too smudgy for my taste it's a little lebanon-esque too the one dude when i was in canada i was sitting there i was eating oysters at an oyster bar it's awesome sunny day, and I look across to the Parliament in Victoria, and I see that Canadian flag waving above the Parliament. That Canadian flag is fucking beautiful. The maple leaf? It's a wonderful flag. It is a great flag. The American flag is all over the place. It's hodgepodge. <laughs> it changes. You get another state, you got to put another star. I, I'm convinced that's why Puerto Rico hasn't become a state yet, is because they got to figure out how to put 51 stars on this thing. I saw a really good mock-up for a 51-star flag, actually. Wow. Well, regardless. So there is that. Well, there is that. But I'm just saying the Canadian flag, it's clean. It's nature. It's beautiful. I, I really like the Canadian flag. It's I like the BC flag, too. Easily top five flags. Ah, the BC flag's a little too weird for me as it's well. Busy. It it's busy. It's really busy. I wish they would just take out the sun and the Union Jack thing and just have it be those blue and white wavy lines. That's awesome. Know what I know what flag I like, for one? What? Unfortunately, New Zealand. Uh-huh. Uh, the like the unofficial New Zealand one where it's like the feather. Oh, I have not seen this. I thought you were just like talking about one. the the one with the Union Jack on it. No, that that one I don't like. But uh, the one I like is Libya. With the is that the one with the tree? No, Libya solid green. Just nothing but green. Nothing but a field of green. I think that's also Nigeria. I'm pretty sure it's just Libya. Okay, I gotta check my flag wall. <laughs> So anyway, recession talk. I mean, secession talk. (laughs) All right, quickly, we have one more topic. I just want to bring it up really fast. Jesse, have you heard about the surge revolution? Yeah, I did hear about that. Okay, so I just have to prime the listener if they don't know it. But Coca-Cola has brought back surge. You can only buy it on Amazon.com for some reason. (laughs) They're like, this is not fit for vending machines. (laughs) 
Um, apparently, uh, 16 out cans printed with the original graphics. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, it will be sold in 12 packs of 16 ounce cans printed with the original graphics for $14. So why is 16 ounces of surge? I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't. I don't know. So this is the question, Jesse. Is the reason why you hate Surge just because you're a pa- Mountain Dew um, loyalist, or w- what's your what's your qualm with Surge? I used to drink Surge when I was a kid. Well, I remember when it came out. I think it came out when we were in seventh grade. I feel like it like hit right when we hit middle school. Yeah. Which was very formative for me. I feel like it was just more grapefruity than I wanted. Hmm. Not really exactly the flavor that I cared for. That I'm pretty much. sure it's mellow yellow. Like I think what? that like mellow yellow is like the citrus soda from like the 70s. Mellow yellow still exists. What? Yeah, you can sometimes find it at movie theaters. You've got to be joking me. No, no, no. Every now and then you see it. Mellow yellow? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, regardless. That, that's the Coca-Cola Mountain Dew. But Surge is more grapefruity. Okay, okay. It's a little more grapefruity. Because that's crazy to me, first of all, because both of these things are named after songs. Mellow Yellow and Mountain Dew are both named after songs. Mountain Dew's a song? Yeah! You've not heard the Mountain Dew song? No. I gotta play it for you sometime. It goes, give me some of that good old Mountain Dew. The men that refuse it are few. I'll hush up my mug if you give me a jug of that good old Mountain Dew. It's a prohibition song because Mountain Dew used to be a name for moonshine. Yeah, I saw this old Mountain Dew uh, sign, one of the ones that's like metal, you know? Yeah. And it was like a moonshiner, and he had a jug, and like the cap had blasted off, and there's a <laughs> hole through his hat, and it said, Mountain Dew, it'll tickle your innards. <laughs> exactly. But then in Mellow Yellow, there's like that 60s song, they call me Mellow Yellow. So that's right. And Surge is actually a song from uh, Tool, late '90s. Really good song. Pretty sweet song. Pretty but good I feel song. like Surge is more of a grapefruit, citrus flavor than Mountain Dew ever was. Well, there's only one way to find out, Jesse. I'm not buying it. Prime shipping, sir. <laughs> I just think it's weird. Like, I don't want to buy soda through Amazon. I do not trust the U.S. Postal Service to deliver soda correctly. Like, the other day I was trying to get a soda out of the vending machine at work, and it's one of those vending machines that has, like, a glass front on it, mm-hmm. and the soda dropped and, like, <laughs> hit the edge, poked a hole in it, and started spraying all over the inside. Is that true? Yes. That's awesome. It started spraying all over the glass from the inside. <laughs> that is worth the price of the soda, just to see. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, it was like... Uh, I got it out of there. It had like just a little tiny hole in it, so then I had to like walk around with like the hole pointing upward. <laughs> so you tried to salvage it. I did salvage it. <laughs> I paid. I paid for it. <laughs> that was a San Pellegrino, though. San Pellegrino Limonada. Uh, that's so, hilarious to me for some reason. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is that. If I, if I can't trust a vending machine to vend it correctly, I do not trust my local yeah. friendly postal service man to, to bring me 16-ounce cans of it. When that happened, you're like, damn you, post office. <laughs> She's going to open it up. It's going to be nothing but, like, soupy surge spray. 
So anyway, Surge is available. This goes out to all our foodies out there who got their uh, Olive Garden <laughs> pasta cards. Uh, you could pop a Surge on your way to the OG. Okay, so let's get to the Facebook roundup this week. Um, each week we tell you, hey guys, we are on Facebook and we are recording and you type in there and we say whatever you type. It's a lot like the phone line, um, except that you can't get garbled if the reception's bad. So it's coming right through. Facebook roundup, starting off with Kevin, says, favorite game day beer. Had the Dicks and Hilliard's 12th man beers and they were meh. Also, thank you guys for always saying encouraging things about the paint and take it packs i took my daughter to the con for the first time and this was her favorite thing the whole day okay actually it was the giant plush kitty i bought her so second favorite uh jesse favorite seahawks brew to drink while watching the game yeah i don't really like either of the 12th man beers i feel like they're all gimmick Mm -hmm. um i will just go with uh, Twilight by Deschutes, baby. Good one. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with another beer that, that yeah, I know you're not a big fan of, but the Red Hook Audible Ale, oh. just because I like the flavor and uh, it's it's more of a session ale, so you can drink it throughout the whole game. Yeah, actually, go- I drink a lot of uh session from uh, uh full sale. Yeah, during yeah. football games, so. that's actually a perfect beer because you want to you want to pace yourself. You don't want to be toasted by the third quarter. Yeah, and they're sort of like football shaped. That's true, and they're little, they're little, uh, yeah, little football shaped guys. So they're great for throwing in the woods. <laughs> there you go. You can play football with it afterward. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says, seeing you guys are doing the Gotham podcast, most slash least favorite Batman villain. I don't have a least favorite Batman villain. They're all fucking awesome. Um, and I'm gonna be boring here, but Joker is like the best one. Yeah, I know it's it's the easy pick, but I think Joker's my favorite. I mean, Riddler's also really cool to me. I love Two Face. Um. And like I say on the podcast, but the new Court of Owls stuff, I really like the Court of Owls. Uh, David says, blah, 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 bliss. Bills, not bliss, bills. Yeah, the bills are doing well. They're 2-0. We'll see how I they... think it's blah, 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 What did I say? Blah, 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 bliss. Whatever, that's what I heard. Joe says, Apple TV versus Roku box. I don't have an Apple TV, but I love my Roku box. So I can put my endorsement thumbprint on that guy says also drinking arrogant bastard while making dinner for the wife good man or worse than a punch in the face why would that be worse than a punch in the face that sounds awesome i think it's good i like making food yeah making food and drinking awesome beer what's what's bad about that yeah that's hard to beat actually that sounds awesome um rollo says (laughs) i didn't read read past kevin had the dicks so yeah kevin said he had had the dicks and like that the dicks 12th bad beer so roll is, so that, that joke doesn't really translate when you're saying it, but when you're reading it, it's kind of funny. And he says va va so apparently a Howard Stern fan as well. Uh, <laughs> Dennis says, just a quick piece of feedback regarding Minecraft. I think you guys were underestimating how popular it is. It's the third highest selling video game of all time, and the one of the two that sold, and one of the two that sold more was bundled with every Wii. That would be Wii Sports. So yeah, man. I, I don't think we were under I think I was initially underestimating it, but I think that we came through and said it's probably a pretty good idea to jump on that IP. Yeah, didn't I say that like every every kid in every, every high school and yeah. junior high plays it? Yeah. And even younger, like kids like little kids are playing it. So yeah. it's pretty big. Uh James says Perfect Strangers, underrated ninety show or most underrated ninety show. I gotta say I love Perfect Strangers. Balky. It's one of the original TGIF shows. You know what I'm talking about. I have about. no idea. I don't think I ever watched that. 
right. Amy says Devin Hester. Apparently, Devin Hester broke the NFL record for most return touchdowns. So, congratulations to you, Devin. Yeah, I saw that. Devin, listener of Personal Arrogance, uh, big time, big time fan of the PA. Uh, Aaron says, if you were forced to perform in a circus, what would be your act? Uh, I don't know why uh, Lion Tamer initially comes to mind, although there's animal cruelty issues there. Uh, trapeze. Trapeze, really? Oh, yeah. Nice. You know, if I could train it, if I could train for the circus, and like, if I was like top of my craft for my for my event, I would definitely want to be the motorcycle cage guy. <laughs> who drives around in the motorcycle in the motorcycle Yeah, that's cage. a good one. That's pretty exciting. And it's on the ground, so that one makes me a little happier than the trapeze. Not really on the ground. <laughs> well, it's attached kind to the ground. Kind of doing loop-de-loops. <laughs> uh, finally, Mitch Netzer says, best slash worst food, best slash worst TV show, best slash worst bracket. I think that we need a best slash worst bracket. for. Uh, well, we've done best slash worst food. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and commission James Patterson to put it together a best slash worst, or best, we don't have to do worse, best 90s TV sitcoms bracket. I think that that could be really exciting. What about just best '90s TV in general? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I feel like sitcoms were very formative for me as a child, just because that was what I could watch between eight o'clock and nine o'clock before I had to go to bed. Uh, like what else would fall into that? Twenty twenty. Kids in the Hall, Simpsons. Mm, see, I think we're getting too big. I feel like Simpsons could fall in there though. Cops. Judge Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy's legacies. still going strong. She's still going strong. So is Cops and Simpsons. This okay. is what I'm saying. Well, we I need, feel like I feel we like need these powerhouses represented. I feel like in order for the bracket to be a '90s bracket, the shows have to have both begun and ended within the 1990s. I don't know if that's fair. Because Friends is out. Friends is out. Frasier's out. Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld squeaks in. I don't know. Home Improvement, maybe? Fraser's out. You're right. Anyway, I think we got to stick to sitcoms. Because otherwise we're getting too wild. And the Simpsons just win. We don't even have to do it. I don't know, man. I don't know if Simpsons takes down cops. <laughs> cops Cops will not be taken down. Or Maury. <laughs> I feel like there's no Maury without Jerry Springer, though. Oh. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't James, know. it's up to you. You're the bracket king. Uh, put put together a good uh, '90s TV bracket. That would be awesome if you did that. Um, no pressure though. It's, you do what you want with your life. We love you. <laughs> um, so finally, just wanted once again do give a shout out to BaldMove.com. Uh, BaldMove.com. Bunch of TV podcasts, including the new Gotham Blotter featuring me and Jesse. There's Breaking Bad. There's a Bald Move TV show. Uh, Bald Move TV podcast. There's the uh, Because show. There's Bald Movies uh, commission podcast about quills. There's Following the Leftover Season 1 wrap-up. There's Boardwalk Empire. There's Up Yours Downstairs. There's just a ton of things on there. So please go check out BaldMove.com. Keep in touch with us. And, oh yeah, Kickstarter update. Uh, Jesse, uh, you just... Got- peaked over eleven thousand dollars but we still got a ways to go so if you have not given to the lovecraft brewing uh um kickstarter please do that find them on uh kickstarter on facebook and on google just google it get in there spend some money yeah 
and, and spend some money. Spend some money, make Jesse's dream come true. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so I think we're going to skip recos. I think feel like we got a nice full show here. Any pressing yeah, recos? Okay, okay. Yeah. I I do want to recommend. I just I'm watching it on Hulu, and that's uh, Strangers with Candy. I, I've never seen the show I never before. I really like that show. I'm watch, rewatching it, and I actually really like it. I feel like I couldn't watch it when it was live. I didn't have the life experience. But for mm, some reason, I'm really enjoying it. Part of it. Hmm. Stephen Colbert. Interesting. Stephen yeah, Colbert. Yeah, and Amy Sedaris. Yeah, Amy Sedaris and Stephen Colbert. What are you going to do? It's a weird combo. <laughs> now she does those Tide commercials, and it wears me out. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right, Jess. <laughs> On that note... Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Remember that until next time, wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please stay Stay arrogant. Thank you.